It's 6pm and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Thursday, July 7th. I'm Kelly Reese and this is your KVMR Evening News. A windowless 6 by 12 foot room is where two immigrant detainees have been held 22 hours a day for about a week. Tonight, the California Report takes us inside the for-profit private facility in Bakersfield, investigating the disputed cause of this punishing solitary confinement. Then we'll take a look at local news and weather before KVMR Climate Report host Martin Webb explores just how green Nevada County actually is. He speaks with a member of the local chapter of the Sunrise Movement. We close with a commentary from Molly Fisk. That's coming up in the next half hour. This is the California Report. I'm Mari Bolaños in San Francisco. Fire crews in Northern California have made some progress in containing the Electra wildfire. On Wednesday, evacuation orders were lifted in part of Amador County. Electra Fire spokesperson Chris Vestal explains. We had 40% containment, which is a nice jump from where it was previously in the day. The weather has been very favorable, allowing our crews be able to really get into the fire, make a lot of progress. Calaveras County is still under evacuation orders, and more than 4,000 acres have burned in the electrifier, which started on July 4th. Meanwhile, a military rocket test launched near Santa Barbara ended in failure last night, with the rocket blowing up seconds after launch. KCLU's Lance Orozco has the story. It was a test launch from Vandenberg Space Force Base, which ended with a huge explosion. A Minotaur 2-plus rocket lifted off from Vandenberg's Test Pad 01 at 11.01 Wednesday night. It's on the north side of the base. Vandenberg officials say it blew up around 11 seconds later, with some debris ending up back in the launch area. As is routine during launches, base emergency crews were on standby monitoring the launch. There were no reports of injuries. Base officials say the debris was contained to the area of the launch pad, but the explosion did trigger a small brush fire in the area. The rocket was carrying what's known as the MK-21A reentry vehicle, which is intended to be used on a new intercontinental ballistic missile. They're both under development. But the Minotaur II rocket used existing technology in the form of decommissioned Minuteman II missile boosters. There have been more than a half dozen successful Minotaur II launches over the last 20 years before this explosion. An investigation into the accident is underway. For the California Report, I'm Lance Roscoe. L.A. County's prosecutor could be losing his job. On Wednesday, opponents submitted more than enough petition signatures to qualify for a recall election against District Attorney George Gascone. Some say he's soft on crime. A spokesperson with the recall campaign says they spent about $8 million to gather over 700,000 signatures. If certified, the election would be the latest in a string of recalls in California. Support for the California Report comes from the California Healthcare Foundation, working to build a more effective, compassionate, and just healthcare system. On the web at chcf.org slash health dash equity. Personal Capital, providing people with financial tools like the Retirement Planner to help them achieve their financial goals. Personalcapital.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org. 
At least two immigrant detainees have been held in punishing solitary confinement for about a week at the for-profit private facility where they are locked up in Bakersfield. The men and their attorneys say it's retaliation for supporting a peaceful labor strike. KQED's Farida Javala Romero reports. Some people held at the Mesa Verde Detention Center have been refusing to clean dorms and bathrooms for $1 a day for more than two months, say immigrant advocates. And last week, about eight more detained workers joined the strike. Mohamed Musa, an immigrant detainee from Egypt, supports them. I call for humane treatment, and I stand up against the unfair treatment. It's like the slavery rate of $1 a day. Among other things, strikers are calling to be paid California's minimum wage of $15 an hour. Musa says he signed his name on a piece of paper declaring they were joining the strike and alerted staffers with the GEO Group, the prison company paid by U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement to operate the facility. The next day, on June 29th, guards moved Musa to a cell used for what's officially known as administrative segregation. Detainees call it the hole. He's been kept since then in a small, windowless cell for 22 hours a day or longer, he says. It gives you anxiety, it gives you, um, raise your stress level, raise your, your depression level. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a terrible place to be at. It's like they dig a grave and throw you in. The cell is about 6 feet by 12 feet long, with a toilet, clogged sink, and a cot to sleep on, says Pedro Figueroa, a striker who was moved to solitary confinement on June 30th, a day after Musa. Guards push meals and sometimes a phone through a slot in the cell's metal door. I chose to not work anymore and and voice my opinion on that within my rights, respectfully. And um, a lot of other individuals uh, felt the same. Detainees like Figueroa often volunteer to work cleaning dorms to help their families pay for phone calls and commissary items. Figueroa is a dad of four U.S. citizen kids and a former inmate firefighter who fought the Dixie Fire in 2020. He and Musa were placed in solitary confinement on charges of engaging in or inciting a demonstration and conduct that disrupts or interferes with the security or operation of the facility, according to geoforms viewed by KQED. This is what they're doing to retaliate against people that speak up. You know, this is what they're doing to intimidate us, which I am intimidated. A spokesman with GEO strongly rejected the allegations that the company is retaliating against the detainees. He repeatedly denied there's even a labor strike, arguing that the work program is voluntary. But the spokesman declined to say what demonstration Musa and Figueroa are charged with inciting. These private prison companies are profiting by the millions, up to the billions of dollars every year by using these voluntary work programs. Eunice Cho is an attorney with the ACLU National Prison Project. She says GEO and other private prison companies nationwide often use the $1 a day program to do the things they need to run immigration detention centers, like cleaning, laundry, and maintenance. Private prison companies have often used punishment to actually force people to perform this labor. Doing things like uh, threatening and putting people into solitary confinement, denying food, This, of course, obviously is uh, unconstitutional punishment. That's because immigrant detainees also have freedom of speech through the First Amendment, says Cho. Now, courts in California and other states are deciding whether these practices constitute forced labor or violate minimum wage laws and whether companies like GEO are accountable. 
A spokesperson for U.S. Senator Alex Padilla says that reports of potentially exploitative work at Mesa Verde are alarming, especially if detainees are facing retaliation for protesting the conditions and that the senator's office is working to gather additional information. ICE did not immediately return requests for comment. For The California Report, I'm Farida Jabala Romero. And that's The California Report for Thursday, July 7th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Now let's take a look at today's regional news. Containment on the 12-acre Butterfield Fire near the Truckee Tahoe Airport appears to be steady, with Truckee Fire Protection District reporting forward progress has been stopped. Mop-up operations are now underway. However, certain evacuation orders still remain in place. The TRK-E112 evacuation zone has been split into two zones due to the fire's location. TRK-E112A remains under evacuation order, while zone TRK-E112B's evacuation order has been lifted. You can go to community.zonehaven.com for visual guidance on the borders of this split zone. The Truckee River Legacy Trail will remain closed as well. Wednesday, we reported on Southern Californian radio personality, former spokesperson for the failed Gavin Newsom recall campaign, and previous candidate in the June Board of Equalization District 4 primary race, Randy Economy's request for a manual recount in the Nevada County Clerk Recorder Registrar of Voters race. The request was filed on behalf of Clerk Recorder Registrar of Voters candidate Jason Tedder. Today, a letter from the Nevada County Elections Office detailed a cost estimate for the recount. The total, which is to be paid by the individual requesting the recount, is $82,728.06. This final version of the cost estimate calls for approximately 38 days of counting. As stipulated in the state's election code, The more than 33,000 Nevada County ballots must be counted by hand by a four-person recount board under the supervision of an outside appointed recount manager. Ubinet reports that the Board of Supervisors is considering appointing Placer County Registrar of Voters Ryan Ronco as the recount manager. The 904-acre Rices Fire, burning eight miles southwest of North San Juan in Nevada County, is now 98% contained with minimal fire behavior. Ubinet maintains there is minimal threat and risk to any life, property, critical infrastructure, and cultural resources at this point in the incident. As reported Wednesday, Organ Creek Day Use Area's closure due to the Rices Fire has been lifted. However, South Yuba River State Park and parklands in the vicinity of Rices Crossing Road, Cranston Road, and Truce Trail all remain closed. Turning our attention to local weather and your air quality index, for those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight mostly clear with a low around 57. Friday, sunny skies with a high near 85. Current air quality is good with an AQI of 21. Friday's air quality is good with a potential AQI of 27. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight widespread haze before midnight, a low around 42. Breezy, winds could gust as high as 20 miles per hour. Friday, sunny with a high near 75. Current air quality is good with an AQI of 4. Friday's air quality is good with a potential AQI of 32. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight mostly clear with a low around 58. Friday, sunny with a high near 94. 
Current air quality is good with an AQI of 3. Friday's air quality is good with a potential AQI of 19. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Up ahead, KVMR Climate Report host Martin Webb explores how environmentally friendly Nevada County really is. What climate-aware policies and procedures are on the books in our local governments? And who's spearheading the movement to change this? The answer may surprise you. Hi, this is Martin Webb, host of KVMR's Climate Report, airing every second and fourth Thursday at 6.30 p.m. following the KVMR Evening News, with some local reporting for the news desk. Today, I'm joined by Jonah Platt, a community member who is spearheading the local Nevada County chapter of the nationwide Sunrise Movement. Jonah, for anyone unfamiliar with the Sunrise Movement, who and what is it and what are the stated goals of the national organization? Hey, Martin. Glad to be here. Um, The National Sunrise Movement is an organization of mass amount of 13 to 35-year-olds that are working to basically make a better world for everyone. Um, and address all the injustices. And we specifically spearhead climate issues and are moving to push the Green New Deal and organize young people. Now, I understand that there is a campaign to push for our local governments to update their general plans, Nevada County, Nevada City, Grass Valley, to include climate mitigations and climate-aware policies and procedures. For example, in the recent analysis for the draft environmental report for the proposed gold mine in Grass Valley, it was called out that our county doesn't have any regulations set officially to decide whether these projects meet our local needs. So my question for you as a Sunrise representative is, is this push asking for certain specific bullet point legalese language um, that is being asked for everywhere? Or is this more of a, a sort of a broad push just tailored for our specific community? You know, this is a, a national conversation that I believe all Sunrisers or most of them are having with their, their counties and with their cities and their elected officials. Um, we specifically notice the issues and notice that when you think of Nevada County and how, you know, quote unquote green it is, it's, it's a really great place, but we really don't want to be hypocrites and we really want to take a systematic stance when it comes to um, being climate climate responsible with our policies, with our procedures and all the other issues. And yes, we really want those nitty gritty details, um, the legal language to sort of make sure that, you know, a mine isn't even on the table to be considered um, unless somehow it's, you know, carbon net neutral. So some people, you know, are are leery of national movements and organizations that sort of have a boilerplate template. Hey, everyone should do this. And it sounds like that this is actually a local group with a local movement looking to engage local representatives for our own local needs. Is that framing this differently than, hey, it's the, the a national group that's trying to push their agenda here? It sounds like this is a grassroots local youth uh, movement. And what exactly are you asking local citizens to do? Yeah, this is absolutely 100% local. Um, us talking to people who are already working on these issues and talking to youth about you know, our peers about the issues that they see very boldly in front of them of, uh, you know, feeling like the world's burning in front of us and it is in, in front of our eyes and not in front of our eyes. 
Um, this month we have a, a letter writing campaign for Nevada County and we set this up in a really awesome way to be going straight to your elected officials in Nevada City, um, Grass Valley and on the county level and it's going to go straight to them. Um, any letters that you write. We already have a, a copy demanding, you know, climate mitigation and um, responsible policies. And you can use that, but we encourage you to write your own custom thing. And what you're gonna do is you're gonna go on to Nevada County website and on the, on the homepage, you're gonna see an opportunity to um, follow a link to go to our um, letter writing campaign. As well as you can follow us on social media, um, Nevada County Sunrise, you'll find us um, in both places. And what's the website? Is it a long URL? Yeah, it's just NevadaCountySunrise.org. Okay, so folks go to NevadaCountySunrise.org. There will be information there. If there is somebody that actually wants to be involved in the movement, um, someone that, that is looking for a peer group, um, or if anyone that wants to actually support this campaign, they can go to that website. That's NevadaCountySunrise.org. Absolutely. For more info. Great. Well, we've been speaking with Jonah Platt. He's local representative of the Nevada County chapter of the Sunrise Movement, who are in the midst of a concerted public campaign to push for better local climate aware policies being adopted sooner rather than later. Thanks for joining us, Jonah. Thanks, Martin. And now a commentary by Molly Fisk. Molly Fisk, Observations from a Working Poet. This week, I'm going to do something for the last time. I'm not retiring, I'm just stopping. Most poets don't retire, partly for money reasons, but partly because the most creative years for artists are their 70s and 80s. Plus, when you love what you're doing, why would you not do it? Making something out of thin air is incredibly enlivening. I'm about to turn the age my mother was when she died, 67. The day after she died of ovarian cancer, I began teaching a writing class for cancer patients at our local hospital. I thought of canceling that first writing to heal session on the grounds of bereavement, but then decided if I began to cry, I would at least be around people who understood. That was 22 years ago. Most of my Thursday afternoons since then have been scheduled, first in the hospital, then, when space got tight, in various locations like my back deck, KVMR's community room, the conference room of a local driving school, and finally on Zoom. I've made lifelong friends in this class. I've kept people of vastly different political views from fighting. I've watched remission, hair loss and regrowth, births, marriages, divorces, and 17 deaths. I've been thinking of stopping for a couple of years, but never quite did. Then in May, on the anniversary of my mom's death, I thought suddenly, wait a minute, 22 years? Enough is enough. I need my own time now to see what will happen. None of my current participants is at death's door, and they're expressing good wishes for my next adventure. I'll give them my phone number, but I'm betting they won't need it. Long ago in business school, I heard some good advice. Do your best work, but don't become indispensable. 
There are other writing teachers in the world and other ways to boost your immune system besides my kind of expressive writing. One of these days, preferably not this year, I am going to die. And while of course I hope people will miss me a lot and read some of my poems, I don't want anyone so bereft they can't keep going. Keeping going is the name of the game, with cancer and writing and cold water swimming and everything else. But it's important also to look at where you're going and why. Teaching this class is too routine after 22 years to surprise me. I need surprising or I'll turn into an old lady who just watches Swedish police shows on TV. Heaven forbid. I can feel something stirring in my writer's mind, a new idea or project, but it's at the tadpole stage. I can't really grasp it. This is one of the best and most mysterious parts of being a writer, waiting for what's next to rise to the surface. One needs, I need, a lot of open time to make this possible. It's a little like fishing, the still water at five in the morning and you in your favorite sweater, watching the sky get light, being quiet, your pole straight, your line descending into that chilly blue, baited with commitment and excitement. If you were ever in my Writing to Heal class, or worked with us at the hospital, or are the anonymous couple who funded my teaching for all these years, from the bottom of my heart, I thank you. Award-winning poet Molly Fisk writes, coaches, and teaches writing in California's Sierra Nevada foothills. You can reach her at mollyfisk.com. This program is produced at the studios of KVMR-FM, Nevada City, California. Funding is provided by Harmony Books of Downtown Nevada City and KVMR with support from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. That's our newscast for this Thursday, July 7th. Visit us online at kvmr.org for anything you may have missed in tonight's newscast. KVMR gets support from Milkman Toner Company, providing local hometown service for network printers, copiers, and scanners. Carrying remanufactured toner cartridges with printer support. Serving Northern California counties and San Francisco to Lake Tahoe. Milkmancompany.com and Mercury Cleaners and Drapery Service, a family-owned, full-service, eco-friendly dry cleaning, drapery, and laundering service since 1971, with locations in downtown Grass Valley on South Auburn Street and on Plaza Drive in the Brunswick Basin, mercurycleaners.net. Keep it tuned to your community radio station. At 6.30, Soundings 22 is live. Tonight, host Al Stoller speaks with Tahoe National Forest Forest Fuels Officer Terry Lim about fire, wildfire. Then, Al encourages his listeners to look up to explore what the sky is doing. At 7, we have Democracy Now! with host Amy Goodman. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. As always, thanks for tuning in. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Join us Friday at 6 for another edition of the KVMR Evening News.